Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is September the 12th, 2023 at 6.29 p.m. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined by the one and only Baron of Bonds, Brandon Beaver. Brandon, what is up, man? Oh, man, after Sunday night, I am great. <laughs> yes, if, if you're a... a listener of our podcast you should know that brandon is a cowboys fan and so he is ecstatic right now because of the one game they won <laughs> 40 to nothing largest blowout in opening day history since uh 1999 all right word of the day okay we'll do letter of the day the letter of the day is l the big fat l they gave the giants <laughs> Nice. I, I'm I'm very happy for you, man. Very happy for you and uh, the Cowboy fans out there. Do you guys have something to celebrate? Appreciate that. The defense <laughs> is a beast. We don't we don't even need our offense to be on the field. I, I think you do. No, I, think, I don't. That's think how you, you score do. points. No, they don't. You well, do. no, they the defense and the special teams scored most of the points Sunday night. So your offense is just that bad. Got it. <laughs> no, it's it's decent, but it doesn't have to be good. This Micah Parsons and and company, Trayvon Diggs. Oh man. Look, all right. Good for you, man. Good for you. I tell you what, though, here's what I'm excited about. Gaming nudes, right? Gaming nudes. Gaming news. News. Sorry. Uh, Bethesda released that game Starfield, I believe it was. Everybody's been posting about it, talking about it. I'm happy there's actually a new game and not just a, uh, you know, ABC game, the fourth. You know, I'm happy we have a new game out, right? Good for all the Xbox players. Right, exactly. So, new game out there, Starfield. Um, and uh, I'm happy everyone can start playing that and have fun with that. I'm also excited about... Uh, there's a VR game that you couldn't play on the Quest before, right? The Quest, because it's a, it's a, the Quest is a very basic VR system. But if you had a PC-based system, you were able to play this VR game called Asgard's uh, Wrath. It was very, very cool. Like it was very interactive, a very fun game to play, and it was uh, it was it was all about you know the the gods of the Vikings and everything and all this stuff. Well, now they have Asgard's Wrath two. And they it's available on the new quest that's coming out, the Oculus Quest 3, which I'm thinking that if anybody that played the first version using a PC will be excited about this one because it should be just as good, but you have to have the updated uh, quest to play it. So should be fun. Good times for uh, gamings right now. Yeah, unless you own a PlayStation 5 like I do. <laughs> Where's the Justice Department at, Dave? With the Bethesda Microsoft merger, you, you know what? Uh, Tear those dude, companies apart. No, no, no. You know, and and now Activision Blizzard's with uh, Microsoft, so we're all good. Well, they had to make a deal. They had, they had to say, well, that you're going to release Call of Duty on PlayStation. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if it holds any water, but I mean, if it doesn't, you know, it's a good deal for Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to buy an Xbox and a PlayStation and play both. Yep. More money for everybody, right? Anyways, let's get into some stock and investment news. What do you say? Rules, rules, yeah. rules. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll, 
<laughs> the rules are Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You hear the live discussion live back and forth right here on the show for you. Brandon has bringing the beef of the show. So, Brandon, please, the bear and the bonds, go first. All right. So, over the past week, mortgage rates topped 7%, hitting a 21-year high. Now, the National Association of Home Builders CEO, Jim Tobin, told Yahoo Finance that uh, I think what we're seeing is the Fed's efforts to crush inflation are in turn starting to crush demand. I don't think it's starting. I think it's already been happening for a while now. 7% mortgage rates are really keeping people on the sidelines and keeping people in their existing homes. So prices are staying the same because nobody's selling. But the problem is, is that also nobody's buying either because interest rates are way too high. Uh, prices are staying high not because a surge of demand, but because a lack of supply. It's very bad if you're involved in the housing market or a retailer or of the kind of products that people purchase when they move to a new home. Appliances and, and uh, furnitures and, and things like that, uh, just not doing so well. And give me one second, Dave. Ann Shepardson, chief economist of Pantheon Macroeconomics, says all these things are triggered by transaction volumes, and I'm pretty confident that they're all going to take a pounding. Go ahead, Dave. All right, so you made a comment there that there's a lack of supply, and I completely disagree with that. I just read an article. I just read an article. Yeah, dude, dude, I just read, again, let me get to my evidence here. I just read an article today that last month showed a uh, the largest double-digit increase in new home listings in over a uh, year and a half. Would it go from 10 to 20? I'm just saying it was a, a large increase in new home listings. So there is supply. I think it has more to do with the higher mortgage rates. Since the majority of all buyers have to take out a loan, they would rather wait for a 2 to 3% uh, mortgage rate than pay that 7 to 8% mortgage rate that they're going to get right now. They're well, going to the save a lot more money. Huh? Prices need to come down then. Prices have been coming down. So I've been on, actually, I've been looking on Zillow the past few months, mainly because I'm looking to buy for myself. Um, and I'm just looking around and I've noticed that if you go on a lot of houses around here in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, you will see that they have dropped the price of those houses numerous times over the past year because they still haven't sold. And so uh, there's a lot of houses out there that have been taken off the market and then placed back on, taken off, then placed back on. And it, it's there. there is supply. It's just some people are taking their houses off right now because they can't get the price they want. So historically speaking, though, I wonder, and this is what I'm Googling right now. Oh, you're Googling some numbers here. Okay. So you... Because I don't know where you were headed with this. I have no idea where you were headed with this. But there is a huge well out there now. And I wasn't even going to cover this. But there's a huge well that went out there just this, uh, just to, it was today. And uh, he shorted via option puts uh, a number of retail uh, companies and retail sector ETFs. And he was shorting them. Okay. I don't know who this person is, but they were putting in six figures each on all these options shorten the real estate market as a whole. Okay. So no matter what the situation is there, because I haven't found any numbers to disprove you, Dave, 
In June of 2023, the number of homes sold in Ohio fell by 13.5%. This is just for the state of Ohio. Um, so yeah, the, the number of houses sold has gone down, yes, but the supply is available if the market is there to buy them up. If they want to buy it up. So we're going to but see people don't prices. people don't because they don't want to pay the mortgage rate. I wasn't even going to talk. I wasn't even going to talk about housing and mortgage. But like I uh, I didn't even know you were going to bring this up. But I have been doing some research on this the past uh, just today uh, because, I, you know, this is, you know, on my days off. What do I do? I watch CNBC and I research a real estate market for some reason. This is my life. Welcome to it. But uh, yeah, the, there's been a huge movement in uh, real estate options. Uh uh, in the real estate sector and ETFs and and uh, companies as well, huge puts, huge puts. So you can find this- on Fidelity. Go to Fidelity and then the research and then real estate options in the search bar, and you, you'll I'm sure it'll pull it up for you. Some where guys out there just people- the whole market, the sector, the people that are selling right now. Where are they going to live? Rent prices I- are crazy right now. Like, what's the plan? If you're right. selling a house right now in this market, you're probably selling a house that you bought on a 3% interest rate. Housing prices, as you said, you know, you say they're coming, they're coming down. They're not nearly, you know, to a reasonable rate right now as far as prices go to justify a 7% interest rate. No, they're they're not coming down enough to justify a 7% interest rate. No. They're dropping it what they feel like is just enough to sell the house. And you get all kinds of reasons why you have to sell a house, new job, you have to move, different things in your in your family life. You uh, marry someone and you guys want to put together. You know what I mean? There's all yeah. kinds of reasons why Look, you would sell in a bad market, and it's because usually you have to. Right, right, okay. Because and they're going to have to keep dropping it because they're not going to find any buyers unless they do. But right. Um. So disconnect between demand and pricing for home goods, basically, and and homes for sure. Uh. I, the demand's just not there, but the prices are still still a little elevated. Uh, prices for household furnishings and supplies, which include furniture, bedding, curtains, carpets, rose 1.1% in August from July, the fastest monthly pace since January, uh, where they were 10.6% uh, higher than a year before. Here's the thing about this, though. This isn't a uh, price increase because of demand either. It's a price increase because in sticky inflation. It, re- it really is. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see tomorrow on a CPI number. What do I mean? Do you believe the CPI tomorrow uh, number is going to come up above 4%? Well, no, I'm just I'm look, going a little bit deeper here than the CPI, though, because we're looking at specifics when it comes to bedding, curtains, and furniture and carpets rising 1.1% in August. So we don't really know the uh, September numbers yet because we're still in September. We'll know those in October as far as this goes. But the CPI, I think, is going to be a little bit sticky. Um, I, I really do. But when it comes to these home furnishing goods, they're still going up in prices. Um, and that brings us to RH's earnings. So what happens when people aren't buying new homes? They're not furnishing their new homes, right? And if the cost of these home goods and the cost of furnishings and stuff like that is still continuing to go up despite demand dropping. That's not good for RH either. So in its shareholder letter, the company stated, we continue to expect the luxury housing market and the broader economy to remain challenging throughout fiscal 2023 and into next year as mortgage rates continue to trend at 20-year highs 
and the current outlook for rates is to remain unchanged until the second quarter of 2024. They reported quarterly earnings of $3.93 per share. That did beat the analyst consensus estimate of $2.56 a share, but this was a 51.36% decrease over earnings, which were $8.08 per share last year. Go ahead, Dave. So you you made the case, I believe it was about a year ago for RH, and I, and I, I disagreed with you then, but... You made a good case, and you said that the luxury brands, and I said, yeah, luxury brands typically hold up even during recessions and depressions. Yeah. Um, they typically hold up, typically. But RH was actually pulling from the middle class as well, who was, uh, you know, they would save up and buy one of the sofas, right? The the higher-end households would buy the whole living room set, but the middle class would come and buy a sofa or come and buy a chair or maybe – one thing for their kitchen. And so that was supplementing that. So when you lose the middle-class buying power, now you're strictly only pulling from the higher-end households and there's not enough of them to to, to continue the growth of stores Right, is what, I, what, what I'm thinking. And, and that's what's leading towards RH having to consolidate is what I believe they're going to have to do. I think so too. I still like them long-term, but here's the thing. I sold this company uh, three or four days before earnings, I think, uh, mostly because I wanted to make, I wanted to raise more cash to buy more Disney stock and more Pfizer, um, but I also wanted to raise some cash on the side as well, and so I, I took a twelve percent gain on this, and I'm lucky I did because I would have been, you know, it would have been deep in the red at this point in time, but. I still, I still like RH for the long term. It just happened to be the odd man out. When I was making the case for Restoration Hardware, it was somewhere around like I think two sixty, two seventy a share at the very beginning, and um, you know, it just the price had increased too much. It was, it was trading at thirty times earnings. I didn't think that made any sense, especially you know if I've got the feeling that we're going into a recession, and um, looking at the housing market and such. It just didn't make any sense to be at 30 times earnings, and it wound up being my odd man out. So, Gotcha. All right. Um, so they reported quarterly sales of uh, $800.48 million, which beat the analyst consistent estimate of $784.9 million. But this was also a 19.2% decrease in sales uh, over the same period of last year. They did say this month they expected sales to keep falling through at least January because of housing market weakness over the next several quarters and the Fed's anticipated rate increases, which I don't think we have that many left to go, but they're still in the cards. Um, they expect their net revenue to drop between 15% and 18% next quarter, which ends October 29th. Uh, they expect... Net revenue decline of 3.5% to 5.5% for its 2022 fiscal year, which ends in January, um, and compared with a 32% increase last year. So, uh, just it was a, it was a tough earnings call. It really was. There's there's no way to uh, to sugarcoat it. And they just recently opened up in England. Uh, I was expecting to see some positives from that. It just I didn't see many positives in this earnings call whatsoever. 
Did you uh, say they just opened up in uh, Britain? Yeah, I think it was England. Yeah. That's that's a very competitive market. Um, that's a very saturated market. Um, I know I, I know of a number of companies in there which I, I can't talk about uh a lot of them here on the show just because of my int- uh, com- uh conflict of interest. But I will say that's a very I will say this and I can say this, that's a very saturated market and that's hard to break into. Yeah, but they're I mean they're they're trying to expand their footprint in all of Europe, really. Um rough time to do it in, but you know, once again if you're looking long term, there should be some decent market share gains there. Uh but right now just just a tough time. Um Gary Friedman, the CEO of RH said people keep saying and you're going to love this one, Dave. People keep saying, "Are we going to be in a recession?" He says, we're in a recession. Anybody who thinks we're not in a recession is crazy. He says the housing market is in a recession. Call me crazy. Getting started. He says it's just getting started, so it's probably going to be a difficult 12 to 18 months. He's got a specific point of view, though. You know, he with his job, he's not really looking at the macroeconomics here. He's looking specifically at his furniture industry. And if you look at the furniture industry and in the housing market, yeah, that those particular sectors are probably in a recession. You know, that's not what he said. He's he's saying the entire economy, but I, I think his uh his point of view is a little bit uh skewed there. Even though I do think we are going into a recession. <laughs> I don't think we're in it yet. I don't think the numbers show that. All right, let's touch a little bit on Oracle's earnings. Oh, Oracle! That oh man, oh man! They they actually dropped for good reason this time yeah. after an earnings call. Ninety nine percent of the time they have great news and it drops. This time it actually dropped for good reason. Going to <clears throat> they always do that run up right into earnings and then it comes right back down to even. Right? Yes. Yes. Please, please get into this. Go All ahead. Right. Revenue rose 9% to $12.45 billion in line with analyst estimates. Cloud cloud revenue continued to drive growth, rising 30% year over year, but that figure represented a slower rate than in May May and uh, a year ago quarters. On the conference call with analysts, uh, Katz forecast second quarter earnings of $1.30 to $1.34 a share on revenue growth of 5% to 7%, or $12.89 billion to $13.13 billion. Now, analysts surveyed by FactSet had estimated earnings of $1.34 per share and revenue of $13.28 billion. So they're really looking higher on that revenue and towards the higher end of the guidance on the earnings per share there. Uh, This is the case where I think um, Oracle kind of got caught up in that AI bubble. And it was pushed to a price-to-earnings ratio of 40, if I remember correct, right before the earnings. And it was just overpriced. I think it was just overpriced. And, and you know, the hey, we we got too uh we got too excited about this. We need to pull back a little bit. Go ahead, Dave. What, what are your thoughts on Oracle? My thoughts on Oracle is I just stay away. Um the 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 guidance is always contrary to where they should be heading. Where they should be heading is always contrary to you know where the analysts think they're heading. I never am able to get it right, and uh, 
and so I just kind of stay away. Oracle should be in a position to really get part of this AI boom somehow, but I, I don't, they, they're just failing to do so. Um, they are in software and IT and, and phone system. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many different places for them to jump in here and, and they're just not. So. Yep. I agree. And then I, to the, uh, the news article that probably everybody who listens to this podcast on a uh, weekly basis knows I was going to get to. Thank you guys for listening, by the way. Here we go again. Here we go again, Brandon. Go ahead. Disney and Charter Communications. They reached Iger and Disney. Here we go. (laughs) I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) So (laughs) they reached an agreement. They restored their popular channels, including ESPN and ABC, just right in the nick of time before uh, Monday Night Football. I'm sure there's no coincidence there. Um, 15 million subscribers had been blacked out of Disney channels for more than a week. So just before the New York Jets hit the field to win against the Buffalo Bills and yet another upset for the week, um, the, uh, the deal was made. ESPN came back on air to the Spectrum and Charter Communications uh, customers and uh, ending, you know, that blackout. You know, our, our handful of Swiss listeners that listen to us from Switzerland are, are like, who's this Aaron Rodgers and Jets people that you're talking about right now? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. It's American football players and American footballers. All right. <laughs> the ad supported, as a part of the deal, the ad supported version of Disney Plus will now be included in Spectrum TV select video packages. I think, honestly. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. I want to put, put a little asterisk on here. According to the deal, Spectrum customers get Disney Plus at a wholesale cost. So they get it at a cheaper rate than everybody else would get it if you did not have Spectrum to begin with. Yes, but you're increasing the the, the turn of this. The, the other side of this is you're increasing the value of the ad space on the ad-supported version because you're going to have more people watching. Maybe. Maybe. Yes, here's what I've been hearing, and this has been on uh, radio and TV, and I don't know if it's just the talking heads on the uh, radio and TV or or what, but people are complaining about the amount of ads when they've switched to these ad versions on the streaming services, and they're saying, look, I'd rather just pay a couple extra bucks a month and just not have ads because this is getting to be annoying. We're so, we, had, we were so used to streaming without ads for so long that we don't want to be bothered with ads right now yeah it's getting annoying we kind of came full circle back in the uh in the streaming space didn't we We all switched to streaming because we didn't want the ads and we didn't want the cable prices that we were paying now we've got 10 to 20 different uh streaming services we're all paying for which is probably more than what we were paying our cable company before and we're all watching ads yep it's awful it sucks all right that supported ESPN Plus will be available to charter com- uh, customers. Uh, they'll have to subscribe to a tier that includes other sports channels, such as regional sports networks and such. I didn't see an exact value of this deal when I was researching this yesterday or when I did a quick Google search of it today, to be honest with you. I know Disney was looking for $2.2 billion in it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they got it. Uh, Charter was saying $2.2 billion was 
too much at the time. But Charter was also saying, okay, we'll do the $2.2 billion, but you have to give us access to Disney Plus ad-supported version uh, to all of our customers. And you also have to do the wholesale price on uh, Disney Plus. And uh, Disney was balking at that. That was really the biggest hiccup in this um, in this uh, in this deal that, as far as I understood, um, the ad supported version of Disney Plus going to Spectrum, I think that does benefit Disney. But the wholesale price, that's really that was kind of the the um, the bump in the road on this. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got the two point two. Go ahead, Dave. All right, man. Disney's a winner on this, and Spectrum is a winner on this. Both are it's a win-win, I believe. Not everybody got everything they wanted, but everybody got something. Spectrum got the wholesale price and the ad uh, within the uh, the version with ads for free, and then Disney got the billions of dollars they needed to complete their Hulu deal that they're gonna yes. that Bob Iger said he's gonna complete complete by the end of this year is his goal is yeah. to complete their Hulu deal, the complete buyout of Hulu. So I think. That when Disney buys out Hulu, now they they have all these these just it's just going to be huge for Disney, because and then one people will go to Hulu Live, and then after that Disney won't need Spectrum anymore. Yeah. So this might be the last contract you see with Spectrum and other uh, subscribe uh, cable uh, cable or streaming or subscribers. Maybe YouTube they try to deal with YouTube Live or something, but uh, Disney will be asking for more money because they have Hulu Live and you could just go there. Yeah. What a tumultuous like six or seven months or whatever it's been since Iger's taken back over. And it's not really his fault. Uh, the charter deal that kind of, you know, that was it didn't come out of nowhere. But, you know, there was negotiations that were involved in it. But uh, the charter deal happening, the strike for the for the writers. Uh, and, and we're not it's not. Go ahead, Dave. I'm going to get into a whole thing. So I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean. I am all right. I, this is just a personal opinion here, but you are not by any short means the only person that's saying poor Bob Iger. I have heard that from every talking head the past week and a half, two weeks. Poor Bob Iger. He's having to deal with this at Disney. He's having to deal with that. I'm like, the guy was brought in. We knew the situation. He's a he's a seasoned CEO. He's getting paid enough money. This is his job. I don't say poor Bob Iger. I say, do your job, Bob. You're doing well. Let's see if you can make these things happen that you promised. We'll wait and see at the results. We all know you have these headwinds. I don't need to sit here and say, here's a, here's a violin and a tissue for you, Bob. I'm sorry. You were brought in. You knew the job when you got brought in. You knew the things that were coming up when you got brought in. You know, I, I so far he seems to be doing all right. Again, he's had a lot. Of, he walked into a lot of headwinds. I will admit that he took a job that he walked in. There's a lot of issues and troubles, but I'm not going to sit here and say poor Bob. I will give him a hundred dollar bill to wipe his tears and blow his nose with. It'll come out of his pocket though, out of his because I don't have one right now. So I'll take it out of his pocket and give it to him. But there you go. You you and all the other talking heads, poor Bob. Oh. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's not clear skies here yet. We've still got the writer strike. We've still got a huge transit transition into streaming here. We've still got the situation with ESPN, what it's going to be valued at. If they're going to find a partner to take this, uh, you know, ESPN to the next level and a direct consumer product. Here's what I'm looking at. I want this writer's strike to end. I want the writer's strike to end. I want ESPN's direct-to-consumer 
uh, product to be fairly valued, hopefully overvalued for us shareholders. And, uh, you know, to go to the market without any hiccups. And then I want uh, also that Hulu deal to come to fruition. Those are the three things I'm looking at. The skies will be much clearer for Disney once they happen. Right now, there's a lot of headwinds for the stock. So I'm buying it. I'm buying quite a bit of it. I'm stocking up on it. I'm not expecting any immediate, crazy, amazing games, you know, gains for the next couple of months. But over the long term, I think it's going to pay off pretty well. I think uh, long term, because of everything Disney's buying and with uh, Iger at the helm right now, that you will see a higher stock price than where it's at now in a six month time frame. But uh, you're not going to see it before then because too many, like you said, too many things have to be completed that he's been trying to implement uh, before you see that. Yeah. And look at GE. GE turned around fairly quickly. A lot quicker than I expected it to. So I don't, maybe it comes faster than I'm expecting. There you go. That's all for me. That's it, really? I thought you had more, man. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, I ain't got nothing. So let's no, I'm just kidding here. Um, I got a few things here. Um, I want to actually, can, can we hit you with some headlines, man? Let's do headlines first before I get into, uh, we're going to talk about arm holdings here in a minute. So I'll throw that in your head there, but uh, we're, let's do some headlines. You ready? All right, man. First headline, Tesla tops list of most shorted stocks for third month in August. Not a surprise. <laughs> Well, I don't know why people people keep shorting Tesla. I think it's just because they hate Tesla, and I don't think it has anything to do really with the company because the company is on the right path. Yeah. Morgan Stanley just up uh, did a price target today, what, 450 or this week, a $450 a share because of the AI and the software that uh, uh, Tesla is running is going to revolutionize the cars and to make them, it's actually going to make the cars cheaper. And more fuel efficient running on their battery. So they're going to be able to have a longer range because of the AI technology that they're implementing right now in the Teslas that will be rolling off next year off the assembly lines. So the Dojo supercomputer is what it's called. It's going to bolster Tesla's Tesla's market value. And that's what we're looking at here. Um, So I don't get why we're having so many shorts on it. I think it's just people... They just don't like Tesla to begin with. Like Bill Gates still has a short position on Tesla that he's had for a long time now, and he's got to be losing a ton of money on it. But I don't think Bill Gates cares. I think he's just going to hold that just to get out of stubbornness. Yeah, I don't think they like Elon. Yeah. Well, yeah, right, yeah, you're right. Uh, so let me get in number two, number three of most shorter companies, and this is all from Hazel Tree. They track twelve thousand equities globally. Um, just so you know, so it's not just like you know a few hundred. Um. Charter Communications came in number two, and Apple came in at number three for most shorted uh, companies last month, Um, which no surprise there with Charter and the news around them and everything that was going on. Apple's a little bit of a surprise, but uh, I I think you're going to see a turnaround there in Apple. Um, Actually, Hedgefunds has been shorting U.S. stocks at a rapid pace in recent weeks. This is what the article is saying. Goldman Sachs note this week showed that a total short bets reached their highest value in six months. So all head, all, all major companies are shortening the stocks right now. That's kind of interesting if you look at it. Yeah, and I think the Disney thing gave Charter a shot in the arm. 
I'm not sure that it saves the company in the long term. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. That's one article down. You ready for the next one? Yeah. Restaurant brands reports renewal agreements of Coca-Cola for four brands. So with this, uh, this a uh, new this came out across on the MT Newswires at two forty three p.m. Um, restaurant brands International QSR said Monday that it's four restaurant brands in the U.S. That's Burger King, Popeyes, Firehouse Subs, and Tim Hortons have renewed their agreements of Coca Cola until twenty thirty three. So if you and uh, Coca Cola under the agreement has to help them out with uh, some of the advertising as well. So if you look at this. Um, you look at Coca-Cola continues to renew agreements with uh, companies they already had. They're probably up in the price as, uh, you know, inflation goes up. So they're getting new agreements, higher prices. Coca-Cola remains a good, stable company to own. Thoughts, Brandon? It does. It's just kind of at the higher end of the range of the valuation right now. Still, it's down 8% year over year. Um, I don't know that I could justify 24 times earnings for Coke, but it's Coke. You know, <laughs> brand equity. You can never go wrong with brand equity. It's one of the reasons why I own Disney. So, I agree. Yeah, brand equity does pay. Uh, paint a good picture there. So, all right. Um, last one here. Uh, decongest. This is on CNBC. Uh, if you want to see, it's by uh, Annika Kim Constantino. Uh, decongestant found in mini cold and allergy medicines doesn't actually work. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a study done and if you read in the whole article you read that there was a study done in back in 2004 2005 where they came out and they said hey this decongestant uh, medicine that you guys have in there it doesn't actually do its job well and that was presented to the fda and the fda said well continue doing more trials we're not going to do anything about it now please give us more information so the university uh, of florida gators they went ahead and did more trials and more uh, information the particular drug in question is, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but it's phenylephrine. Um, phenylephrine, uh, what they did, they compared it to placebo effect, and the placebo effect actually did better. So it actually doesn't do anything taken in a pill form for helping with nasal congestion. Now, you're asking, okay, what is this actually in? Is it really in anything? Here's four of the, four of the drugs. Not These aren't the only ones. These are just four of the biggest names that – of the uh, drugs that actually use this and are going to be affected by this. Ready? It's NyQuil, Benadryl, Sudafed, and Mucinex. Wow. Four of the biggest names out there. In fact, the drugs that are going to be have to be pulled off the shelf and reformulated altogether total represent a $1.8 billion hit to um, the U.S. economy. Um, and so that's going to be a big downturn towards CVS, Walgreens stock. Rock and, uh, yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of companies here that uh, if this moves further along and the FDA says you have to pull it, um, then uh, that's going to be a huge hit. That's a $1.8 billion hit to U.S. economy. Thoughts, Brandon? So, yeah, and then the question is, is are they going to have to reformulate the entire um you know, the entire drug, or are they just going to have to relabel? I mean, what are you going to relabel with? You can't relabel and say decongestion when it doesn't do it. <laughs> it's just decongestion with a Maybe. Uh, question Surgeon marks. General, Surgeon General's warning this does not work. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I think that I so I th- I know of Mucinex. There's it's guafenicin is what the actual uh, uh, drug that works for uh, Mucinex. I don't know why they had the. I think these are for when you mix a cold and flu package, if you will, and it's not just a one particular drug. It's when you get the overall the whole hey knocks out all eight of these symptoms that that particular one, um, and this is a huge hit going into the fall and into cold and flu season. I never thought they worked. I never thought they did. I mean, they, they'll put me to bed. They'll make me feel a little bit better, but they don't decongest me. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So uh, now uh, we have yet to see what the uh, full fallout is going to be on this, but it, it's not looking good for anybody involved with yeah. it, man. Well, gamble. Big hit on them. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Don't know what happens. Could go one way, could not go another way. All right. I had one more, but I can't find it now because I, I, I pull up all these in my tabs here. So we'll move on to the big story that we wanted to cover here and talk a little bit more about because there's a number of different ways you can go with this story and you could go with this news. And we've talked about it. Like I brought, I think this is the third show in a row I brought this up. And the company we're talking about is Arm Holdings. You've heard about it in news if you follow, if you're an investor. Um, and I brought it up here. I, I said that, uh, you know, did, and I asked the question when we first brought it up, did SoftBank overpay for this? Because SoftBank bought this at a valuation of uh, what it should be, what does it say here? Yeah, valuation of $64 billion was with the valuation that SoftBank paid price of uh, for Arm Holdings, assuming it was going to hit that valuation. And we asked the question uh, three weeks ago, is it actually going to hit that? Did SoftBank overpay? Are they losing? Is this another loss for Masi-san? Um, so the SoftBank and the, uh, the ARM chip designer, they received enough backing from investors to secure at least the top end of the price range in this IPO offering. So it would command a $54 billion valuation on a fully diluted basis, right? This uh this was written by uh, Echo Wang for, uh, on Reuters and it was done 42 minutes ago so it was a very very new article here but I already knew a lot about ARM because we've covered it before on the show here so first thoughts Brandon the valuation that is they're coming out with is 54 billion dollars for this company and uh, South Bank's been paying in for a percentage for a 25 percent stake at a 64 billion dollar valuation so right now they're looking at they're already losing money on their valuation when they bought in any quick, quick thoughts before I go further in the article. It seems to be that there's been just a litany of bad decisions in SoftBank. what used to be at least viewed as a great company with great management just to the past, like five years, just constant missteps. It seems like. Yeah. They're taking high risk uh, with, with like it, it's, it's, the whole WeWork scandal was awful for them. First of all, that yeah. was awful for, they just straight up lost that money. And so they, you know, they have other ventures that are working for them and providing them that, uh, that, 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 that nice steady return, but it's not, it's, it can't keep up for too long if they continue losing money like that. Right. They got to spend more time researching these companies. I think so for me, I wanted to focus on the valuation here at first for the first part of our discussion, because I go back to Virgin Galactic. I go back to the cannabis stocks of 2000, was it 18, 2017, 
when they were skyrocketing, when Tilray was over a hundred bucks a share, and now it was down to now it's down to twelve. You know, I mean, I go back to those times when a new sector emerges, and then everybody valuation is just through the roof. Yeah, and and right now, I think SoftBank is going to make their money at first with ARM. It's going to IPO. People are going to buy. It is going to move up. They are going to make a good return on it, but if but they can't sell right away, and that's the problem. Um, I don't think you're going to have it. I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't see it long term because I see I see this whole AI thing as a bubble that that's going to pop, and there's only going to be a few companies that are left making money off of it, and everybody else is not going to have it. But I mean, I look at Arm's other businesses outside of AI, and their cell phone uh, businesses is, is excellent. You know, they have a great they have great relationships with with Samsung and Apple and and all these other uh, and Google for cell phone uh, parts. So I think that's a good part of the business. But the valuation is coming from the AI. It's not coming from their cell phone business. It's not coming from their steady business that's been proven to produce for them. You remember when Long Island Ice Tea changed their name to Long Blockchain and got a huge stock boost because of it? No, I have no idea that even happened. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's crazy where valuations are going. And I just want people to be wary when they're making an investment decision in ARM. I believe, yes, you will make money in the short term off of ARM. It's going to debut. It's going to go up. People are going to make money off of it. But I don't, I, I, I'm concerned about the long-term valuation of ARM. You know, you have a core business that's going to continue to make money for ARM. But is it worth the valuation they're pulling it in at? Oh. And that's not like I'm not really worried about the company itself. It's the valuation. Yeah, exactly. There's a, of, there's a lot of players in this game that are stepping up and saying, "Hey, Arms actually like their chips are are very well designed, and the company's really good." But I just don't see the, what jump right out of the gate with a 54 billion dollar valuation. It's just <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, it, yeah. It goes back to my initial question three weeks ago: Did SoftBank overpay? And I I think SoftBank did overpay. Um, but now they own this company and I, I with inflation, eventually it's going to get up to that valuation <laughs> yeah. with their cell phone chip business. But uh, I mean, SoftBank's going to have to hold for a while, yeah. a long while. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Some of these things that, that you see here. And Brandon, did you have any thoughts on Apple and their new announcements? I know you had mentioned you had you had seen a few of them. I'd seen a few of them. I, I do like the USB C's. I think that's a great move in the direction for Apple, but I think that uh, that's actually a, a a negative as far as uh, revenue. It's a small chunk, tiny, tiny chunk of the revenue. But now that you could buy USB C really anywhere because uh, Androids all use them, so now everybody's using the same power cord. Well, so it wasn't really that that jumped. The thing that jumped out to me was the uh, roadside service powered by satellite that they're going to partner with AAA and use the satellite uh, to, you know, tell AAA where you're at, if you need help, things like that. That's the thing that, that jumped out at me that I think is pretty cool. Now I, I don't know if that's going to be solely a feature of iPhone 15 or if Apple's going to do their normal thing and just update iOS and, and it'll be on all phones. Um, but pretty cool feature. Yeah, it is is a very very cool cool feature. They have a lot of good features. I think this is overall a good uh, move for Apple. I think uh, they're continuing to produce. I think the the only reason why Apple's down right now is because uh, China Hawaii 
yeah. phone. I, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Came out with some more information on phones and where they're going to push their phones out to. Um, and they think that that's going to take a big chunk out of Apple um, because they're producing some good product there. But we don't actually see that in the United States because all Americans believe that, you know, hey, what we like is what everybody else likes. Well, you know, guys, we we only we're only three hundred and fifty million people. There's eight billion people in the world. <laughs> Just because yeah. we all like something doesn't mean it's the number one phone in the world. Yeah. Um, and the funny so thing we, is, is Hawaii. I don't know if you remember this or not, but. Um, for a long time, there were uh, pictures going around of the Chinese copy of the iPhone, and that was Hawaii at the very beginning. They basically just copied the iPhone at the very, you know, and, and for China, and they made a bunch of money off of it, and then you know, kind of started doing their own thing. I don't think you're actually allowed to buy their cell phones here in the United States. I, I, think, I think there, there were- is some kind of ban or, or yeah. restriction on on it, so. But I mean, with with over one billion people in China and over one billion people in India, I don't think they really need the United States market. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference to them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're doing well, and I think that's why uh, you see Apple going down is uh, because of that news right there. There was also there's also some news that hit the wires about uh, Chinese nationalist attack on social media that Apple might be in the middle of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's that too. And you know what? You, you bring up a point, and I, I want to cover this one. This is the last article I want to cover, and I, I didn't know if I was going to bring it up or not because um, it leans more towards political, but it has to do with geopolitical and investments and how large corporations can make a difference in, in one thing and whether or not you know you want to invest in a company that is so big that they can affect change in other countries' wars. Um, so the I'm going to read the headline. You'll know exactly where we're going with this. Um, the headline is on CNBC. It was uh, came out today at 2.40 p.m. Headline reads, Elizabeth Warren calls for an investigation into Musk and Starlink yep, I knew in, U- in Ukraine. I knew where you were going already. <laughs> right? So... Now the the concern here, and this is this is uh, see if I can find the right quote because I had it saved, and then I had to scroll up to get that. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you lose like where you're. Here it goes. Uh, uh, here was the quote from Elizabeth Warren: "Congress needs to investigate what's happened here and whether we have adequate tools to make sure foreign policy is conducted by the government and not by one billionaire." I think this crosses the line in that you know if if. A corporation or a one person has the capability to act on their own and do their own thing. I think countries, no matter if it's the United States, Great Britain, or whoever, need to say, "Hey, they're doing that on their own. That's not us." Yeah, just it's say a private that. Company. Yeah, private company. They're doing that on their own. Yeah, you know, Russia does that with the Wagner Group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to get political. I shouldn't have said that, uh, but um, yeah, I, I think. Uh, uh, Musk now is in a position with Starlink and some of uh, his, uh, the other tools under the Tesla umbrella um, to affect changes in lots of places, whether good or bad. And I think there's other companies that have the same capability, such as Google, such as Apple, um, that are just as big and can do things. Just Apple has all those uh, satellites, right? Yeah. That they partner with up there that they're trying to provide um if you have an Apple phone soon, you won't need a contract with AT&T, T-Mobile, or Verizon, or any of them in the United States. You can you can still uh, chat with other Apple 
tech uh, text of other Apple, make phone calls, and utilize the internet uh, using Apple system. It's going to be all on the Apple system here soon, and they have their own satellites up there doing that. So I think uh, all these companies, as they get bigger, these are the questions that are going to come up and the headlines we're going to see. And do you buy or sell off these headlines, or do you just kind of not do anything, just wait and see where it all goes? Thoughts, Brandon? Most of the time, you wait and see how it goes. There you go. Those will be made. <laughs> they will be. Right, on. All right. Hey, so I hate- like them, but they will be. Yeah. So I hate to leave it on the controversial topic, but Brandon, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, Disney, like I said, um, skies aren't clear yet, but uh, we're buying, we're holding and waiting for those clear skies. Might be a while. All right. Nice, nice. I like it. Um, I'm buying more Apple right now. I'm going to buy Disney off of what Brandon has said. And I'm also, I have another buy right now. Um, I'm probably going to buy in at Tesla. Um, so those are the three I'm looking to put some money in, uh, but I need to keep some cash on hand. So I'm not going all in on all these, but I am going to be adding them and making them equal weight in my portfolio. I will not be overweight on any of these. Um, so they'll be equal weight. If, if, okay, so Disney's been holding right around 80, 81, 82, right around there. Um, if the buyers give up and there's capitulation, do not freak out and sell. Just buy more when it happens. You might drop quite a bit on that situation, but I've seen time and time and time again, patience is rewarded by the market. And when you're buying undervalued stocks, sometimes things like that happen. Look, I was down like 20% on Meta at one point in time. I'm up 80% right now. So- the capitulation happens, you take advantage of it. It might. There you go. There you go. Um, and also, just to further say, uh, one last thing, because those are the calls. One last thing, Brandon and I will be working on this week is a better configuration of all of our social media consolidation. And you will see, hopefully within about a month, more social media presence of Chinchilla Picking out there as we are looking to expand and grow and start working on our IT presence. So hopefully you guys can hit subscribe, follow us on all the social medias as we continue to grow and get out there. And we appreciate the, uh, the love and the DMS. Cool. All right, Tristan, Tristan. Hi, how's it going, man? Thanks for listening. Um, As always, we hope we've been educational, entertaining and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night. So Morgan's,